This is Hip Hop Raise Me the Blog.com, where we celebrate 48 years of the younger genre of music. I'm talking about hip hop, y'all. Where it's about the knowledge, the culture, and the lifestyle. My name is CEO Dream. Welcome to Hip Hop Raise Me. formerly known as Kanye West kept his word. After a good amount of footage featuring the game and Yee hitting the studio surface this week, the pair released a new track titled Easy on Friday. The song arrives after a video of Yee on a FaceTime call with DJ Premier was uploaded by designer Tracy Mills. During the call, Kanye, who was in the studio at the time with the game and Pusha T, revealed that he was planning on releasing a track on Friday and asked the legendary producer if he'd be willing to add some scratches to the project. We're starting a whole, we about to just control the sound of music, it's up to us now, period, Yi said to Premier on the call. Greater than view this post on Instagram. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than a post shared by the game, at Los Angeles Confidential. Life should be easy for everybody, we make the choice to complicate it for ourselves and others. Change your perspective and change the world, Game said in a statement shared with Complex. Take a listen to Easy Below via Spotify. Unsettling cover art shared by Yee and Game ahead of the new song's release was quickly linked by fans to the 2013-era work of Nick Knight, a photographer and artist, and founder of Show Studio, whose collaborative history with Yee includes the oft-referenced video for Bound 2. Greater than view this post on Instagram. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than a post shared by the game, at Los Angeles Confidential. Notably, all of this comes amid continued chatter surrounding a potential sequel to Donda. Earlier this month, Stephen Victor exclusively confirmed to Complex that, in his words exactly, he had started working on his new masterpiece Donda 2. Meanwhile, Julia Fox, who can currently be seen on HBO Max in Steven Soderbergh's film No Sudden Move, revealed in the latest episode of her and Nikki Takesh's Forbidden Fruits podcast that she recently heard some fucking insane new songs when in the studio with Yee and Future. Shout out to Hip Hop Raise Me the Blog, yo. Go check them out, you heard? That's what's up. Winston Glynn has been charged with murder after he shot a teen employee at a New York Burger King restaurant, police say. He allegedly demanded money before shooting Crystal Baron Nieves, 19, and pistol-whipping a manager and customer. Glynn took $100 before fleeing the scene, according to police. Investigators reportedly used surveillance footage to identify Glynn, who worked at the same Burger King in 2020. Sources told the New York Post that Glynn had pictures on his Facebook page which showed him in the same clothes at the time of the murder. Glynn was also linked to Baron Nieff slaying as he used an EBT card at a bodega after the shooting. 
Angela Simmons caught fans by surprise on January 11th after sharing a new workout upload showing off her flexibility. In the Instagram post, the 34-year-old was seen wearing gym attire, including a white tank top, a neon pink waist trainer, nude leggings, and sneakers. The two-for-one upload showcases Simmons doing stretches that involve her legs and arms. Angela Simmons' exercise pic derails after fans focus on the star's pants. At Angela Simmons slash Instagram. In addition to the photos, Simmons tried to send an inspirational message to her followers by writing, Be your own motivation. As fans began to view Simmons' post, many immediately zoomed past the reality star's original point and solely focused on her leggings. What grabbed their attention was Simmons' first stretch pose and how the leggings appeared in the photo. The social media users claimed they had to do a double take because they thought the growing up hip-hop alum's bottom half was nude. Thought you were naked had to look twice. Girl don't do that I thought them was cakes you had out lol. Anyone else had to double take cause they thought raw cheeks was out? I thought yo a was naked for 2 seconds. I had to do a double take. Like why she working out with no pants on? Among the nude remarks, others pointed out that Simmons knew exactly what she was doing by posting that upload. One wrote, now you know them pants is a distraction, another said, you definitely know what you were doing. A third Instagram user went as far as to blast the entrepreneur for being thirsty and desperate. The person even claimed that Simmons' last relationship didn't work out because of her seductive posts. Greater than view this post on Instagram. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than a post shared by Angela Simmons, at Angela Simmons. They stated, I see by you showing pictures like this you really being thirsty and desperate. That's another reason why that boxer guy didn't want to see you anymore, because of the pictures you be putting up. Simmons and her ex, professional boxer Daniel Miracle Man Jacobs, confirmed their relationship in August 2020 after the star uploaded a photo of the pair attending a wedding. Following the dating confirmation, the pair embarked on a whirlwind romance consisting of romantic vacations and images of Simmons supporting her then beau at boxing matches. However, breakup rumors began circulating in January 2021 after Simmons removed almost all her photos with Jacobs. Since then neither party has discussed the reason behind the split. Shout out to Hip Hop Raise Me The Blog, it's the real homie Trife Gangster, and we fucking with that. Salute. That part, that all the time. Art Horn will no longer be representing Justin Johnson or any of the accused killers of rapper Young Dolph. Attorney Arthur Horn will reportedly no longer be representing Justin Johnson, Cornelia Smith, or any of the accused killers of Memphis rapper Young Dolph, despite reports previously naming him as their defense attorney. News broke of Horn representing Johnson and Smith this week, which many fans found coincidental after Horn was successful in helping black youngs to get off the hook after shooting 100 rounds at Young Dolph's car multiple years ago. The attorney took to social media to clear up the rumors that he's working with the three suspects in Young Dolph's murder case, saying, after reading a few recent articles, watching a half dozen blogs and skimming through the comments section I've learned a sobering fact, misinformation spreads and sells far faster than the truth. There's also an old quote that goes, a lie will make it halfway around the world before the truth puts its shoes on. Horn responded to a commenter who asked if this meant that he won't be legally representing Johnson and Smith, which he confirmed. 
a new lawyer has not been assigned to the suspects, who will need to find somebody to help defend them once they head to trial. In other news, it was recently reported that the suspects carjacked the getaway vehicle one week before the shooting occurred. Read about that here. We will continue to keep you updated with the latest information in this case. Greater than new information. Greater than straight drop, Justin Johnson needs a new lawyer. Art Horn just told me drop got dropped. Horn confirmed he is not representing anyone associated with the Young Dolph murder case. Pick.twitter.com slash busybaitricks. Greater than. Greater than Jeremy Pierre Fox 13, at Jeremy Pierre Fox, January 13, 2022. The current and former owners of the fire escapeless Bronx Tower that caught on fire and killed 17 people have been slapped with a massive $3 billion class action lawsuit. On Tuesday, two tenants of 333 E. 181st Street filed the suit alleging that the landlords had actual notice of defective conditions at the 19-story building, NY Post reports. The survivors of the vicious fire feel the building's owners should be held liable, while a separate filing holds the city responsible for the tragedy and wants everyone affected to receive $1 billion. The suit names a self-closing door that malfunctioned and let smoke pour out of an apartment set ablaze by an electric space heater on Sunday. Rosa Reyes and Felix Martinez, a married couple who lived in the building and are the lead plaintiffs, are seeking $1 billion in compensatory damages for alleged negligence and another $2 billion in punitive damages on behalf of themselves and all others similarly situated. Another plaintiff, Jessica Valdez, is grateful she made it out of her 18th floor apartment alive but is now afraid to return to the place she called home for 15 years, News 12 reports. Valdez claims that the door to her 18th floor apartment never closed on its own during the time she's lived there. We always had to pull it closed, Valdez said. NYC medical examiners found that the 17 victims of the fire, including a two-year-old, died of smoke inhalation, CNN reports. Officials said that the smoke spread because the door of the apartment that initially caught fire was open, as well as the door from the stairwell to the 15th floor. Doors in the building were supposed to close automatically. Now the building's past and current owners are facing a massive class action suit for what's being considered one of the deadliest fires in New York City history in decades. Greater than if you're renting to me, IT's okay if you don't have an emotional tie to me, but you have to protect your investment. I'm your investment, Bell D said. Black Panther was a stellar film that stood out from the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It made over a billion dollars at the box office, thanks in part to its resonant themes and stellar storytelling. Wakanda represents an African nation allowed to grow and thrive without colonial intervention. But it also chose to remain isolated, shut off from the rest of the world and protected by both a metaphorical veil of secrecy and a literal illusory force field. It's called out for that choice by the film's antagonist, Eric Stevens, aka Killmonger. He believes Wakanda needs to help the rest of the world and it's his belief in reunification that stands against the film's heroes. However, a villain in the MCU's recent Eternals takes a much different tack. 
While its protagonists are adorned with similarly futuristic and fantastic technology, they're actually alien robots created by an all-powerful celestial. And like the Wakandans they stayed hidden from the rest of the world for centuries. But in doing so they leave the rest of the world to suffer, only realizing they need to reach out and help others when the world is about to end. In their case, the antagonist is one of their own, Icarus. He's the only one of the Eternals to try and stay on mission, fighting the rest of them to try and bring forth the Celestial Tiamat, whose birth will destroy the Earth. So, both films are about a drive for secrecy and isolation versus a need to connect with the rest of the world. It even connects back to Spider-Man and one of the greatest axioms in superheroism: with great power comes great responsibility. The right choice for people with power is to reach out to those in danger and help them. Eternals recognizes that and has its villain speak as the voice of staying hidden. Black Panther recognizes it, too, but flips those roles on their head, and has its villain speak out in favor of helping others. And that's because Black Panther is a more complicated film. It's about reckoning with the sins of the past just as much as it's about moving forward into the future. Eric Stevens was left alone when his father was killed for trying to help disenfranchised African Americans, and as a result, he had to grow up and face the racism of 1990s America. The tragedy is that, while he's right about what needs to happen, he learns and grows up in a system built on colonialism and the military-industrial complex. By the time he has the power to effect change, he only knows how to use the methods of that system and plans to remedy Wakanda's isolation by using its superior technology to take over the rest of the world. Icarus' views are because of a different kind of zealotry, but he and Killmonger still share something in common, a lack of empathy. Icarus doesn't care about the 8 billion people who will die for the Celestial, and even Killmonger doesn't care about those who will be hurt in his plans to overthrow world governments, even going as far as to say he'll kill the children of those who stand against him. But that sort of ideology can't thrive. Killmonger gets through to T'Challa and convinces him to start the process of Wakanda reaching out to the rest of the world. But he's mortally wounded in the fight against the Black Panther and refuses to accept any healing. He dies for his beliefs, he doesn't want to live in a world where he can't fight for them. Icarus commits a more direct and unexpected form of suicide, flying headlong into the sun. He doesn't want to live in a world where he's been proven wrong. There are similarities between the two, but there's a reason Killmonger's death was beautiful and bittersweet. He was a tragic villain whose death felt unnecessary. Icarus is just a villain, and his death just feels unasked for. To see Icarus invert Killmonger's beliefs, Eternals is streaming now on Disney+. Los Angeles, CA-Corda crowned himself the best rapper under 25 earlier this month, and in case his Eminem co-signed bars or Grammy-nominated catalog wasn't enough, he sought to back up his claim during a visit to Power 106's LA Leakers on Wednesday, January 12. Almost four years after first gracing the hot seat, the DMV native returned to Just Incredible and DJ Sour Milk's radio show, where he warmed fans up for his sophomore album, From a Bird's Eye View, by delivering a blistering, eight-minute freestyle. Armed with his commanding flows, clever wordplay and confident boasts, Corday torched a trifecta of beats including the notorious B.I.G.'s Kick in the Door, Jadakiss Put Yaha Hands Up and Kodak Black Super Gremlin, which recently climbed into the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. Greater than view this post on Instagram. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than a post shared by Corday, at Corday. The 24-year-old rapper bragged about slaughtering your favorite rapper while name-dropping Diddy, Ludacris, The Locks, 
Malcolm X and Barack Obama. I'm not new to this, I'm true to this, shout out to Ludacris slash my first words move, bitch when I came out the uterus, he rapped over put your hands up. The Jadakiss beat was a choice pick considering his budding bromance with Corday. In September, the locks veteran hit up Corday's girlfriend, tennis sensation Nomi Osaka, to help him secure a bucket list collaboration with a young rap star. I need to do something with Corday, Kiss told Osaka. His mannerism is so cool but his bars. He got them bars that puts him in an elite thing. And then, for you to be a significant other, he's just so cool with it. Corday ended his LA Leakers freestyle with a mic drop, declaring, I dare a Enga to come to the Leakers in the next two months. Just Incredible and DJ Sourmilk weren't the only ones impressed. Offset, DJ Khaled, Rhapsody, Ty Dolla Sign, Brandy and Robert Glasper also gave Corday props for his ferocious freestyle via social media. Keep going, Khaled commented on Instagram, while Offset left several fire emojis in the comments section of Academic's Instagram post. Corday's From a Bird's Eye View LP is set to land at midnight on Friday, January 14th, with features from Eminem, Lil Wayne, Nas, Freddie Gibbs, Lil Durk, Stevie Wonder, Gunna, Roddy Rich and her. Meanwhile, production is handled by the likes of Boy Wanda, Hit Boy, Jake One, Terrace Martin, and Cardiac. The album serves as the follow-up to 2019's The Lost Boy, which was nominated for Best Rap Album at the 2020 Grammy Awards. Greater than view this post on Instagram. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than a post shared by Corday at Corday. My name is CEO Dream from Hip Hop Raising Me to Blog. We doing all music reviews live, y'all. So send all your music to Hip Hop Raise Me Blog at gmail.com. This is www.hiphopraisemetheblog.com. But send all your music to Hip Hop Raise Me Blog at gmail.com. Send all your music. We doing all live reviews starting now. Fat Trell penned an open letter hoping to bring light to his case and the injustices of the judicial system. On Friday, January 14, a month after he was arrested and booked on counts of revocation of suspended sentence and probation related to a 2018 arrest, the rapper was sentenced to one and year half years in prison. He took to social media to give fans an update on his situation, which he believes is a second punishment following his previous three-year stint. It is with heaviness in my heart that I must inform my fans and supporters that the justice system has failed in being objective in my case, the DC rapper wrote before providing a detailed account of his battles over the last three years. According to Trell, he served a three-year prison sentence on DWI and marijuana possession charges that he acquired in 2016, and was subsequently released on probation. At the start of the holiday season, the last day an MC showed up to a court hearing regarding his probation and was held in Arlington County Jail before his sentencing date. Despite prosecutors' beliefs that he should be free, Judge DiMatteo sentenced him to another year and a half behind bars. In the letter, Trell called for major reformation in the justice system, noting that he's positively changed since his previous term. 
three years in federal prison was more than enough time for me to conform my mindset and in the way I move, he wrote. I'm being punished a second time around, without regard of the years I've already served. The rapper mentioned that recreational marijuana has been legalized in VA since he caught his possession charge and maintains that he learned from his DWI. Despite the lessons, however, he says his livelihood is now in danger from being caught in the justice system. In the caption to the post, Trell called on the likes of Meek Mill, the Reform Alliance and Kim Kardashian to help with his case. He also issued an apology to his fans, promising that he will be home soon. Trell's message comes nearly three months after he celebrated his release from prison on firearm and ammunition charges. Fat Trell takes to Instagram for assistance in justice here's what he wrote in the caption. Greater than view this post on Instagram. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than a post shared by Fat Trell, at Fat underscore Gleesh underscore. Greater than anybody with a voice that can bring light to my situation, it would be greatly appreciated by my family and I. To my fans I will be home soon I'm sorry this is happening to y'all, you go tag at the shade room at site cheese fit reform at meat mill oh yeah at Kim Kardashian and at real Donald Trump hashtag free. Gleesh. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than fat trout. HipHopRaisedMethevlog.com will keep their ear to the streets as new developments arrive. A woman was arrested Wednesday outside the headquarters for the U.S. Capitol Police after police saw a gun case and the butt of a long gun in her vehicle, the police said. The woman, identified as Carrie Lynn McCatty, is facing multiple weapons charges, the police said in a statement to CBS News. McCatty parked in front of the building and told police she drove to Washington, D.C., from Michigan wanting to talk about information she had about January 6, 2021, the police said. The arrest came less than a week after officials marked the first anniversary of the insurrection. At this time, there is no evidence the 58-year-old suspect was coming here to do anything, except speak with our officers, the police said in the statement. The department's offices near the Capitol are also close to office buildings for the Senate and Washington's Union Station. An unloaded .22 caliber rifle, a loaded .410 caliber shotgun, and an unloaded .50 caliber muzzleloader, a type of gun loaded through the open end of the barrel, were found in her vehicle along with ammunition, the police said. McCatty was charged with unlawful possession of a weapon, possession of unregistered ammunition, unlawful possession or transportation of a semi-automatic rifle and unlawful possession of a firearm, the police said. In an interview with officers, McCatty admitted to voluntarily transporting all of her ammunition and weapons unlocked, unsecured, and one loaded in her truck from Michigan to Washington, D.C., the charging documents said. According to the charging documents, McCatty had previously been convicted of felonies in 1989 and 1991. Sarah Nelson Torciello courtesy of the Lancaster County Jail an assistant warden at a state correctional facility in Nebraska with nearly two decades of experience found herself behind bars on Tuesday after being accused of felony misconduct involving an inappropriate relationship with an inmate. Sarah Nelson Torciello, 45, the former assistant warden at the Reception and Treatment Center, 
RTC, was taken into custody on suspicion of unauthorized communication with a prisoner and sexual abuse of an inmate, state authorities said. The Nebraska Department of Correctional Services, NDCS, announced in a Tuesday evening press release that troopers with the Nebraska State Patrol arrested Torsiello, who began working in the state prison system more than 18 years ago in August 2003. She was previously employed at the Nebraska State Penitentiary. In a statement condemning the alleged conduct, NDCS Director Scott R. Frakes noted that both of the potential charges against Torsiello are felonies. It is extremely disappointing that someone in this position now faces felony charges. These are serious offenses, Director Frakes said. Inappropriate behavior involving a member of the inmate population will not be tolerated in NDCS. Authorities said that Torsiello had already resigned from her position at RTC as of Tuesday. The facility, which was known as the Lincoln Correctional Center and the Diagnostic and Evaluation Center until earlier this year, is geared towards providing assistance to inmates with various mental health issues. Following her arrest, Porciello was booked at the Lancaster County Jail. She was released from the facility on a personal recognizance bond after a Wednesday bond hearing. According to a report from the Lincoln Star-Journal, prosecutors have not yet formally charged Torsiello with any crimes. She is currently scheduled to appear before a judge in Lancaster County District Court for her arraignment on February 11th. Deputy Lancaster County Attorney Bruce Prenda told the journal that Torsiello is prohibited from having any contact with the inmate whom she is alleged to have abused as a condition of her pretrial release. Prenda also reportedly said that the arrest affidavit for Torsiello will not be made public until the charges against her are formally filed. An NDCS nurse in September was arrested and similarly charged with unauthorized communication with a prisoner and sexual abuse of an inmate, Omaha NBC affiliate Watt reported. The nurse resigned from her position at the Community Correction Center Lincoln and the Diagnostic and Evaluation Center following her arrest. She had been employed with NDCS since August 2016. Hudson County, NJ a Jersey City man was arrested in North Carolina on Thursday in connection with the November 13 fatal shooting of Ishmael McCain. According to Hudson County Prosecutor Esther Suarez, Anthony King, 34, has been charged with murder, unlawful possession of a weapon, and possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose. He remains in North Carolina awaiting extradition to New Jersey. As previously reported, on the day of the incident members of the Jersey City Police Department responded to the area of Grant Avenue and Martin Luther King Drive just after 4 a.m. after hearing gunshots. The responding police officers found McCainy with a gunshot wound to the torso. McCainy was transported by emergency medical services to Jersey City Medical Center, where he was pronounced dead at approximately 4.20 a.m. The Hudson County Prosecutor's Office Homicide Unit is actively investigating this case with assistance from the Jersey City Police Department. Anyone with information is asked to contact the Office of the Hudson County Prosecutor at 201-915-1345 or to leave an anonymous tip on the Hudson County Prosecutor's official website at http www.hudsoncountyprosecutorsoffice.org slash homicide tip slash. All information will be kept confidential. Carjackings raced out of control in the Big Apple last year, 
surging 55% over 2020, according to new NYPD data Thursday, a day after two car thieves struck in Manhattan less than an hour apart. New York has become carjack city, one NYPD official told the Post. Between the guns and the low risk of stealing cars, we've seen this explosion in carjackings. From 2018 to last year, carjackings in the five boroughs shot up 355%, led by a staggering 4,400% jump in the NYPD's Manhattan North Borough Command and increases of more than 400% in the Bronx and Brooklyn North Commands, the statistics show. So far this year, police have reported 20 carjackings, five of them in the two Manhattan Borough Commands, which are made up of precincts, the department said Thursday. Cops reported 510 carjackings last year, compared to 112 in 2018. Last year's number represents a 55.5% leap over the 328 carjackings in 2020. The biggest spike last year over 2020 was in the Bronx, where 151 carjackings were reported, more than double the number the prior year and an increase of nearly 129%, the numbers show. The NYPD's Brooklyn South Command saw 112 incidents in 2021, nearly twice the 2020 number of 65 for a 72% increase, according to the stats. The cars are difficult to steal when they're parked so they become moving targets, said retired NYPD Detective Sergeant Joseph Giacolini, who now teaches at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice in Manhattan. This is a big problem, Giacolini continued. People try to hold on to their cars, which increases the chance of getting killed. The public message should be if you participate in this kind of crime, we're going to throw the book at you. Any firearm or instrument used to take property is a robbery, he added. It's the imminent use of force. Judges cannot set bail for defendants charged with car theft under New York's criminal justice reform law. But carjackers are typically charged with first or second degree robbery, which is still eligible for bail in the Empire State. Violent car thefts in the city have been rising for years. On Wednesday, brazen thieves made off with a black Audi SUV in broad daylight on West 55th Street and Broadway in Manhattan, threatening the driver with a taser before taking off. Wild video of the incident shows the stolen Audi slam head-on into a sedan, while striking at least two other cars before one of the thieves fled into a subway station. Less than an hour later, another carjacker used a box cutter to steal a black Infinity on West 36th Street near 7th Avenue. That suspect also got away. Jay-Z has always shown love to his hip-hop forefathers, whether it's gushing over Rakim's rhyme schemes in his 2010 book Decoded or shouting out Big Daddy Kane on his most recent album 444. Even as his net worth has swelled to over a billion dollars and his career has been stamped by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, HOV continues to pay tribute to those who paved the way. On Thursday, January 13, the Marcy Project's mogul was snapped hanging out with Public Enemy's Flavor Flav, and whether by coincidence or not, he wore a t-shirt featuring the revolutionary rap group. Greater than view this post on Instagram. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Greater than a post shared by Flavor Flav, alarm clock, at Flavor Flav official. Needless to say, HOV's outfit choice put a smile on Flav's face. Flavor Flav with my boy Jay-Z, the 62-year-old legend wrote on Instagram. Nothing but the maddest love and respect for this G right here. He even got me and Chuck on his shirt, wow you. 
As photographer Ernie Panixioli revealed in Flav's comments section, the t-shirt features an outtake from his photoshoot for P.E.'s Apocalypse 91. The Enemy Strikes Black album cover, making it a rare collector's item. This isn't the first time Jay-Z has shown public enemy love. In a 2002 program for the UK's Channel 4, a much younger Sean Carter spoke about his admiration for the group's groundbreaking sophomore album. 1988 was one of the most out-of-control years I can ever remember. Everyone knew somebody that was strung out on crack, he said. Then Public Enemy made that album It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. It had Night of the Living Bass heads on there, I remember saying, wow. The beats was hot. It wasn't like they was just preaching, about, what you hear and what you see. More recently, Jay-Z shouted out Public Enemy during his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction speech in October. When I was thinking of what I was going to say tonight, these heroes kept coming to my mind, Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, KRS-One, Chuck D and, of course, the fellow inductee LL Cool J, he said. I would watch these guys and, you know, they had thick rope chains and leather and sometimes even the red, black and green medallions. Whatever they wore, everybody would wear the next day and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be like those guys. Of course, Jay has also drawn from Public Enemy's revered catalog in his own music. The Black Album's Moment of Clarity referenced the group's black steel in the hour of chaos, while his Kingdom Come Cut Show Me What You Got flipped the same Lafayette Afro rock band sample as P.E. Show Em What You Got. The love hasn't always been mutual, though. Chuck D criticized Jay-Z and Kanye West's 2011 hit Engas in Paris for its use of the N-word, even going so far as to question their purpose as artists. I like those guys, but they make me laugh sometimes because I don't get who they're here for, other than themselves, he said in a 2012 interview. Meanwhile, Flavor Flav called out Jay-Z along with the likes of Drake, Kendrick Lamar and Lil Wayne for contributing to rap music losing the element of hip-hop in 2013. Almost a decade later, however, it appears it's all love between Jay-Z and Flavor Flav. My name is Abu Valor from the original group from Brooklyn, New York City, Valor and Double O. I also record under the name of Abu Valor, Purcell Valor. You can check me out, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And when I take a break from the studio, let me tell you something. I go check out that blog, Hip Hop Raise Me. Hip Hop Raise Me. I want to shout out to the CEO Dream. You definitely popping. You know what I mean? You teach about that classic hip hop, don't stop what you're doing. Abu Valor, don't touch that dial. Google my name. Peace. This is Hip Hop Raise Me the Blog.com, where we celebrate 48 years of the younger genre of music. I'm talking about hip hop, y'all. Where it's about the knowledge, the culture, and the lifestyle. My name is CEO Dream. Welcome to Hip Hop Raise Me.